Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from June 5th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew 4, verse 18 through 25. Well, we're in Matthew 4, 18 to 25. And I do appreciate... uh, uh, the young man, I can't remember his name right now, <laughs> just passed. But it was good to have him reading the scriptures for me. That was good. Always good to get people involved in, in the service. And uh, doesn't always have to be uh, the pastor necessarily doing all these things or anyone who's even filling in. So, But it is, as, as we're looking at the, the scripture text today, we're looking at what is a disciple? What is a disciple? And I think that's a big issue this, in our church, in churches nowadays. They don't understand what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And so we're going to be looking at that. And there's a, several passages that are going to be warnings that Jesus gives, that, that, that the Gospels give. And we need to take those warnings very seriously. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus is now beginning to call his disciples. And that very first verse, in verse 18 we see that Jesus is calling those that the Father has revealed to him. And in in verse 18 it says, And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, we need to understand some things first before we go on to the other verses. In fact, I won't hit the other verses until the very end of the message. So when I hit verse 19, you know I'm getting to a close there. So that gives some light at the tunnel back there. But, uh, But we need to keep things in order. And I think it's so important that we keep things in the right context, keep things in order. And so we have to understand that this is not the first time that Jesus has seen these men. Okay? It's not the first time. In fact, if we've called from last week, Jesus has been, it's been about a year since his uh, uh, baptism, a year since his, he he, he had his, his, the mount uh, of temptation on the mount. And he's been going out and doing the Father's work. He's been going out and preaching the gospel, doing a lot of things. And he has, during that year, year of time, he has introduced himself to certain, certain folks who God's laid upon his heart that they're to be his disciples. And so we see this back in John chapter 1, verse 36 and 37, where it says, And Jesus, or it says, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, this was John the baptizer speaking, when, and this was probably just a, a day or two maybe uh, after his baptism. It may have been after he came back from the, the, when he was for the temptations in the mountain. But these two men heard John say this, and they went and followed Jesus. Now, as we continue to read in that, in that scripture in John 1, beginning verses 38, it says, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus 
beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And that's where we get the name Peter from. And so this all takes place. So there's, there's times when Jesus is being introduced to these men that he is going to call, to call as disciples. And so this, again, takes place during that one year of transition period between when he was baptized and before he headed off over to um, Caesarea. And so, when, as, as we understand this, it's important to realize that, that drawing a person into discipleship is it's a process, and it takes time. You know, I know a lot of times we, we hear of, of, of a famous person that gets saved. And I think it's tragic when they, when they want that person to all of a sudden to be a spokesperson, always do this and do that, and they're not ready yet. We, we, discipleship takes time. All right? And we have, we have to develop that person so that, so that they, they will be successful in, in the Lord. And too often, I think, we try to jump over different hurdles, jump through different hoops, and because we got, oh, what, what God can do with this person, and we forget, well, maybe, you know, that may not be God's plan for that person. We need, we need to understand that being a disciple of God is, is, is doing what God has called us to do. And he's already laid out those works for us as individual Christians to do. Okay? And we, we, sometimes we forget that. And so discipleship is very important. And it takes time. It's a process that, that a child of God must go through. And so these, these men here, they were exposed to Jesus' life and teaching for a significant period, for at least a year here, before Jesus actually would come and, and call them and say, follow me. Now, our passage of scripture that we're dealing with today is calling these men to be disciples, but all these scriptures we're going to read ahead of time shows all the different times Jesus interacted with these, with these men during that one-year period of time. And so it's important we understand this. Now, in Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, it says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gethsemane and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that, that he would thrust him out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of a ship. Now, we talked about who, who, who all had been fishing before, you know? And we, and we said, who, 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 who has actually caught a person? Well, I've caught a few people <laughs> casting my net, you know, just doing that combat fish. I've caught myself sometimes. Um, but now, if you know anybody has a boat and someone comes up and says, hey, let me, let me, borrow, let me borrow your boat, who are you? I don't think so, you know. We're, we're, we're going to be very protected. But here, here Jesus comes up to, to Simon and, hey, let, let, me, let, me, let me borrow your boat. Cast me out a little bit so I can talk to the people. He had already developed a relationship. See, he knew them. And he had, he had developed that rapport with these men. When this, take, when this takes place in Luke 5. And so in this scripture, Jesus, he had already developed those relationships with these men and, and as seen by him 
asking to use their boat. Now, obviously, we're going to find out they've been out fishing all night long. They're tired. The last thing they wanted some stranger to get in their boat. And No, we're busy. But no, they had, Jesus had that relationship with them. And that's something we've got to remember. When it comes to discipleship, folks, it's all about relationships. Relationships. I think too often we think that, well, God's going to bring them to the church. No. It's about us going out from the church, developing relationships with people that God has put in our uh, uh, purview there. And, and, and we see and we develop that relationship with those people. And then we invite them to come to church or to some church activity because we have that rapport with them. It's all about relationships. And sometimes we forget that. It's about relationships. Now, as we continue to read Matthew 5 in verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, and we're going to see Jesus has another reason to deal with, not just teaching the crowd, but now with these fishermen he's dealing with. But he said to Simon, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets began to break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Now, folks, let me tell you something. I don't know about any of you commercial fishermen, but that's a good, that's a good, good load of fish right there. If your boat begins to sink because you've got so many of them. See, Jesus has purpose for what he's doing, and he's following the Spirit of God. And all that he's doing, because he's preparing these men. And we're going to see that. And then verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. See, what we see here is, first of all, Jesus had developed relationships for, for a whole year with these men. He had, he had introduced himself into their lives, became part of their lives. And now he's at the point of, guys, it's time for you to, to leave what, you, what you're accustomed to, leave your livelihood and come follow me. And so Jesus, what he was doing here, he was, one, providing for these men's families while, they're, while at the same time having them recognize that he's just not a, a normal man. He's a man. But it's something unique, something different about Jesus. And we're going to find as, as the things go on that they're going to recognize that he's the son of God, that, that, he is, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, because of all the things that God does through him. And if one of the first things that, <clears throat> that had to happen was 
they had to recognize their own sinfulness, their own, their own unworthiness to be in Jesus' presence. Yes, Jesus had developed that relationship, and that's important. We've got to have relationships. But then there has to come a time in that relationship process of becoming a disciple of Christ that you realize your unworthiness. And that's what Peter, he recognized. I have no doubt James and John and Andrew, his brother, who were with them, recognized the same thing. Their unworthiness. Which is why Simon said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. See, until we come to that point, and, and, and th I think this is more than just salvation. I, I think the Bible never says when the disciples got saved. I believe they're to saved before this because these rocks, obviously, um, they're baptized by John. So, but here, even after salvation, they begin to come and re recognize their unworthiness to be in the presence of Christ. As disciples of God, as being, being, being part of his children, we have to recognize our unworthiness to be in the presence of God. You know what that leads us to do? It leads us to live out a life humbly before God, relying upon God to do his work through us instead of us doing our work our way. And see, that's the big difference. In fact, we're going to see that very clearly if you continue, if you continue on reading in Matthew chapter 5 and later, the, the Sermon on the Mount, it portrays that very much, that humble attitude that has to be there in a child of God. And it's because we recognize our unworthiness to even be called a child of God, but yet through his righteousness, we are his children. And folks, we can never forget that. See, a disciple is one that recognizes their, un, their own unworthiness to be in God's presence. Now, folks, all of this is necessary and needs to take place in anyone who is called to discipleship for Jesus. Folks, you can't minister to people in the parks, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. You can't minister to any of them if, if all they see is an arrogant person. You can't minister to them. But if you're a humble person, you can begin to do all sorts of ministry. And that's important. You see, being a disciple is much more than simply becoming a believer. And now, this is where some of these scriptural warnings come into place, come into play. And I hope we take these to heart, okay? See, a disciple is one who acts upon their belief in Jesus Christ. Their life is radically changed because of their belief. And yet too many today say they believe, yet there's been no change in their life. Oh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You know what? The devils do too, and God's prepared a place for them in hell. See, it's more than just believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Much more. Much more. See, people can believe Jesus is a good teacher. They can believe he's the Son of God. They, but they don't become a disciple. 
they don't become a follower of Christ until they understand his teaching and direction. They fall under that teaching. They fall under his direction, under his authority, under his leadership. See, this is when Jesus becomes their Lord of their, Lord of their life. He becomes their master. Peter said, but he said, depart from me. You know, Lord, master. See, there's a false teaching out there that says, well, I, I can accept Jesus as Savior today. I'll make him Lord tomorrow. Folks, that's heresy. When he becomes Savior, he becomes Lord at the same time. There can't be a break in the two. And so we have to understand this. Now, up to this point, chapters 3 and 4, and as we've been going through these, Jesus has very clearly been doing what he's going to tell his disciples to do at the end of his ministry before he goes to heaven. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to give out his great commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Where it says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Folks, that first part right there, that's salvation. That's salvation. That's preaching, they're teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what they're doing there in that first verse. And what do we see in Matthew chapter 3? That whole chapter was all about genuine salvation. That you recognize that you're a sinner under the judgment of God and that Jesus is the only one through his blood that can set us free of God's judgment and we receive his justification. That's, that's chapter 3. And I'm saying this because Matthew has organized these first 3 to chapter 8 just that way as Jesus living out the Great Commission for us to see for his disciples to see. So when he gives this commission to his disciples at the end of his, his earthly ministry, they go, wow, that's what Jesus has been doing this whole time. We know what that means now. But I think sometimes today we don't understand it. But, but it's that next verse. Verse 20 says, teaching. Now here's a different kind of teaching. The first teaching was the gospel of Jesus Christ, getting people saved. The second kind of teaching is teaching them to do what? To observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Well, here now, you're dealing with the truth of God's commands. That this is where our lives, if we become Christians, believers, now our lives change because we're following his commandments now. Being humble God's love, all these things, confessing our sins, over, over, overcoming our sins, as he taught us to do in chapter 4, how to, how to have power and victory over sin. It's following those commandments of God. Also, if, if you go into chapter 5, it talks about the Beatitudes. That's how a child of God is to live their everyday life. I've heard those preached, well, that's all about salvation. No, it's not. The Beatitudes are not about salvation. They're about how we are to live in the power of the Holy Spirit of God that's in us. It's not about salvation. 
Now, salvation can be, an, can be an application, but I don't believe it's the primary text, the teaching of, of, of the Beatitudes. Because one, you look at who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to his disciples who are saved, who are Christians, who are believers. And so, see, our task from Jesus is not just to get people saved, but is to make disciples of all nations. And I think far too often we think our job is done when someone says the sinner's prayer. Folks, our job has just begun. It's just begun. Because now we have the task of bringing them into maturity in Christ. Where the old things they used to do, they can't do anymore. Now they have to do the new things of Christ. And that's that changed life that proves that there is a genuine conversion that has taken place in a child of God. And my prayer is that those of us who say we're Christians, there has been that change in your life. Because folks, there are many warnings that Jesus talks about here. Matthew 7, 21 and 23 is a pretty heart-wrenching statement that Jesus makes. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. We're to be doers. Doers of what? The commandments of Jesus Christ in God's word. We can't pick and choose what we want to be. I want that one, but I'm not going to do this one. We need to be doing the commandments of God. But yet in verse 22, or 23, it's 22. Hard to see. I've got to bend down here to see it. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we not cast out devils? In thy name have we not done wonderful works? Then I'll profess unto them, I Never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Folks, that should be overwhelming to us to think that there's people in the church today, in the church fellowship today, that believe that they're serving God, but in truth, they're not. They don't even know Jesus. Because what they're doing is all about them. They're doing their works. And what they've done, they, they, they've believed a lie of Satan that their salvation was genuine and it wasn't. See, I'll be right up. I am not a fan of mass evangelism, folks. I am not. I don't believe in it, to tell you the truth. Yes, people can get saved. Don't mark, don't, don't. Take me wrong with that. I read Billy Graham in the later years of his ministry. Began, became aware of that many, majority of those who got saved during his crusades never went to church. Never changed, had changes of lives. Which is why in the latter part of his, he began to really encompass and getting involved with churches in the area that he would go to and say, guys, we need to be involved. And, and when someone makes a profession of faith, they need to get involved in this church. And, and, and he, got, he got churches involved now. And even with that involvement, there are so many that just, they made the profession of faith 
and you still never saw him again. You see, true disciples are going to be involved in the activity God has initiated, not what they have begun. You see, we, we, we can't sit there and sit there and say, all right, everyone raise your hand and say this prayer and you've been saved. Especially among kids. I, I had a pastor once when I was out at First Baptist Eagle River and did, he did that with a group of, you know, third and fourth graders and everybody, everyone in the class got saved. And he came and told me, I said, no, that is not true. And I went back, it took several, several hours over a couple days and talked to every one of those kids and it might have been two. The rest go, I just put my hand up because they did. You know what? Adults are the same way. It's all about relationships. We have to do what Jesus did. He went out for a year and developed relationships with his disciples. And then he began to hold them accountable and call them to service. We must do the same. How, how can we say we can do anything different? See, what makes a disciple of Jesus is not what we produce for God. Folks, we can't produce anything for God. But it's what we do under Christ's leadership. And so we have to make sure that there's genuine salvation. Some people say, well, you know, I must have lost my salvation. No, you can't lose your salvation, but I need to make, you need to make sure that when you were saved, it was genuine. That's what's important. Make sure that when you said that sinner's prayer, you understood and you were truly giving your heart and life to Jesus. There has to be an understanding that takes place. And folks, that's where we as mature Christians need to make sure that takes place whenever we are sharing the gospel of Jesus, of Jesus with people. Now, there is work that we have to do. You know, one of those I mentioned, but you, you can't become, make Jesus Savior today and he make him Lord tomorrow. Doesn't work. That, that's, that's a heresy, okay? And, but yet that's the big teaching going, going around today. And it's all based upon the love of Jesus. Oh, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Oh, he loves me. And oh, yes. But there's never any repentance of sin that takes place in a person's life. See, that's what's important. Otherwise, when someone who has a false profession of faith and they've been deceived thinking by Satan. Satan loves these kind of professions. Then they go out and say, well, well Christians have to be doing this. Well, I got to do, do these things. Okay, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. You know, and they stay, they, they stay busy in church work. But the Bible is very clear. We can know that we are children of God when we begin to accomplish the work that God has set before us to do. Ephesians 2.10 should be a very familiar passage. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So yes, we are to be doing good works, right? Y'all believe that? This means yes, that means no. Okay? Y'all believe that. But it's the works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Do not think that what I'm doing today, what you're supposed to be doing today, 
God's, hold on, hold on. Uh, okay, there's one for you to do. Uh, uh, let's do this. No, he, before ordained that we should walk. Otherwise, before you became a Christian, before you were even born, God already knows the works he wants you and me to do. And folks, they may be different works. But they're his works. And it's our job to find out what they are, where they are. You see, we just can't be doing good works. We have to be doing his good works that he before ordained that we should walk in them. Another passage of scripture that's a warning that should raise some eyebrows here. In Luke 6, 49, 46, 49, it says, And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? God's word gives us the commandments. You're, if you're in the word of God, you're going to know what you're supposed to be doing. And, his, and the Holy Spirit of God will guide you into those specific works that he has for you. And again, it goes, it, this, this passage goes on and talks about that building the house upon the sand or building the house upon the rock. And we know that Jesus is the rock of our salvation and we have to build everything off of his cornerstone. Everything we do must be built upon the word of God. Not our good works. See, it's all about doing what Jesus has commanded us to do. We can't pick and choose the commandments. Although we all do that, I have done that. And I have to come back and I have to, I have to confess that sin. Lord, I didn't want to do that one because I don't like that one. We got to confess it. Make our lives right before God. It involves trusting in Him and not in ourselves. See, this, this is what's so important. We have to allow the, the God of who, who, who created us, who brought us salvation, to work through and work in us. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. That's why he did it. His Holy Spirit is to be our teacher. His Holy Spirit is to be our guide through this life. But it involves us being in God's word, being in prayer daily. Maybe several times a day. That's what it requires. It requires work on our part. See, real salvation isn't simply a lifestyle that people might see in and around the church or the church neighborhood. It's a lifestyle of change that anyone who knows you before you became a Christian begins to realize something's different about you because, well, one, all the things you're not doing anymore and all the things you are starting to do, it, they change. Folks, you can be the most good person there is that gets saved and never did anything, you know, and you become a Christian and people are going to know the difference. Okay? They're going to know the difference. Because everything about you is going to change. It's going to change. It's allowing the forgiveness of Christ and his shed blood to wash over us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then in Christ's humility, we begin to serve him 
by proclaiming that good news for the glory of God and doing all that he commands us to do because we're in his word. And folks, when real salvation takes place, we will respond as the disciples of Jesus responded. And now let's look at verse 19. So we're coming to an end here. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee his father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now this, this right here is one group that shows real discipleship. It shows doers of the word of God. Now, this next group I'm going to read is different, okay? And I think there's many in the church today that fall into this category instead of the first category I just, I just read. Verse 23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him the sick, the people, the, and, and as you, you can just read through that, the diseases and the casting out devils and all these kind of things. All these people came to Jesus. Why? Because they wanted something fixed. They wanted something fixed. They didn't come because they wanted to be disciples. They wanted something fixed. And so here, these are the two types of followers that we see. One is the true disciple. And the other is one that wants something fixed. Now this group that wants something fixed, they're coming, their whole purpose and, and relationship with God is all about what God can do for them. Now, if this rings true, then you have choices to make. See, instead of being a messenger of the gospel, they become one that markets the gospel. They see what you need and then try to sell you something. See, too often the church has turned into salesmen instead of ambassadors. For Jesus Christ. Using gimmicks to get people into the doors. And folks, I'm going to tell you the biggest thing that's sold is God's love with no repentance. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He loves you. And you'll be saved. Well, that's part of the truth. And that's, that's a lie of Satan because it's not the whole truth. Repentance is the whole truth. See, this marketing agenda doesn't want to offend people by calling them sinners. See, we can't promise people things that God doesn't promise us. People's lives may not get better. When they come to him, people's health may get worse. Finances may continue to spiral down. Marriages may continue, may not be able to be saved, folks. The Bible doesn't say all these things are going are to get better 
if you get saved. The Bible doesn't say that. But the Bible does say that your sins will be forgiven. That Jesus will never leave you. He'll never depart from you. He'll never forsake you. He'll walk with you through all these hardships so that you can endure them. See, we need to stop marketing the gospel and start being ambassadors for the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell people that they need Jesus because they're under the judgment of God. And folks, if we have relationships with these people, they will hear the truth. And hopefully they'll be seeing the truth displayed in your life. And see, the vast majority of those who come to Jesus, they're in this group because that's what they're taught. And they get a false sense. Well, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Lord, didn't I do that? But they never knew Jesus because they never had the true south gospel of Jesus Christ presented to them. And, so, and frankly, there are probably many folks in churches today, maybe in this church, that have never truly given their heart to Jesus because their lives have never changed. And I don't know who you are. You do. Make the change today. Now the other group, those that are real disciples, they are those who come to be disciples of Jesus. They didn't come to get something fixed, but to be followers of Jesus and are willing to give up everything if necessary. They see themselves as sinners under God's judgment, and Jesus is the only way out. These disciples are willing to do whatever the Lord commands them to do. Just like his disciples, these four men, left everything and followed Jesus when he called them to follow it. That's what's important. doesn't matter what the cost is, because Jesus is the one that has called you to do it. See, the other group, thousands came to Jesus, maybe tens of thousands. But when it came time for maybe about a year later when Jesus had to send his disciples by two into the cities to proclaim the gospel, how many could he send? Only had 70. 70 out of thousands that he ministered to, only 70. See, being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we, we are doers of the word. And the first thing that we're, come, we're called to do after, after get, being saved is get baptized. Then after that, that's the first command. After that is to become involved in a local body of believers. Church membership. Now in the scriptures, there's no rules about how people are get, getting memberships. Every church Makes your own rules on that. That's fine. I have no problems with that. But you get involved. And when you get involved in a church, it means you're going to become a doer in that church. Doing what God is leading you to do, not what this person or that person says you should be doing. What the Holy Spirit of God is leading you to do. Be doers. Not a hearer. There are too many hearers out there. We need more doers who know they are disciples of Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, we're going to make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're going to sin. But we'll confess that sin and we'll get it right. See, that's what distinguishes us being a child of God. When we make mistakes, what do we do? That's the big difference. Are you a doer or are you a hearer of the word of God? Are you an ambassador for Jesus Christ? Or are you a marketer for Jesus Christ? Big difference. I just hope that one day you won't hear those words, I never knew you. But you'll hear those words from Jesus, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.